You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ikena Okeke of the Father's Church. Please join Pastor Ikena Okeke and be blessed. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Okay, we want to continue with our meditation. Come with me to John chapter 2 quickly. And we will be reading from verse 19 just to recap from what we began to look at on Sunday. John chapter 2 from verse 19. Our Lord Jesus said, Jesus answered and said to them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Then the Jews said, It has taken for the six years to build this temple, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. Therefore, when he had risen from the dead, his disciples remembered, no doubt remembered that he had said this to them, and they believed the scripture. And the word which Jesus had said. Praise the Lord. I want to ask this verse 22. When did it happen? Did it happen at the time Jesus spoke? No, it wasn't when Jesus spoke. It was after the fact. It was when he had risen from the dead. That they were now remembering what he said. It was then that they were now believing the word he said. And it was then that they were believing the scriptures. And 23 says, Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover, during the feast, says, Many believed in his name when they saw the signs which he did. But Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all men and had no need that anyone should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. Now at the end of Jesus' ministry in John chapter 17, you would see that Jesus committed the ministry into the hands of the disciples. You know that? He said, Father, these are the men that you have given to me. What has happened? To some extent now, those men in, he was talking about in John 17 differed from these men that we are talking about in this particular John chapter 2. What had happened is that their believing had grown. Praise the Lord. Their believing had progressed. My prayer for you and my prayer for myself is that my believing will progress so that he can commit himself to me. He can commit assignment into my hands. It says he did not commit himself to these people at this stage. But later on, we saw him committing himself and the work to some men. It is you that we are looking for. Praise the Lord. Say to your neighbor, it is you. He wants to commit himself. He wants to be able to hand over this nation, hand over that workplace, hand over your family, hand over your neighborhood. But you and I have to come up higher. Praise the Lord. So what we began to see on Sunday, um, we can read John 8 just as well immediately. John 8 from verse 31. Okay, from 30. It says, as he spoke these words, many what? Believed in him. See the word believe there again. Many believed in him. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are what? My disciples indeed. So this man believed in him, but something was yet to what? Take place. Now you know today when we say we believe, we take it as the full stop. As the finality of the process. But we are learning from the word of God today and from Sunday that believing is very essential. It's foundational. But there is something that needs to what happen after we have what? Begun to believe. 
And that is what our Lord Jesus said to them in 31. He says, if you abide in my word, if you continue in my word, if you live in this thing that you believe, if you practice what you have begun to believe, he says, you are my word, disciples. And that's what will bring you to verse 32, which says, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall what? Make you free, which is where we want to get to. We want to be free from the enemy like we learned on Sunday. Okay? So, we are seeing something here which, you know, I believe it's eye-opening for us. That believing is powerful. Believing is important. But there are dimensions, there are levels, levels in belief. Praise the Lord. Levels in belief, not beyond belief. Because we keep believing and we keep believing and we keep believing. Praise God. So, in our main text, what captured my attention there was that these people were his disciples. And when he said, destroy this temple, and in three days I'll raise it up, they heard it. Didn't they hear it? They heard it for them to remember it, which means they heard it. And then the Jews now said to him, at that point, it has taken for the six years to build this temple. Okay? It has taken for the six years to build this temple. And will you raise it up in three days? They responded, the people who were there responded to Jesus. Now, my question is, what was in the mind of the disciples during this conversation? Which side did they believe? Praise the Lord. Are you getting what I'm saying? The people Jesus spoke to didn't believe. So they said, what are you talking about? Isn't it? This temple took 46 years to build. Are you going to what? Destroy it and build it back. So we can understand their position where they were was where they were their physical position was equal with their mental position but his disciples who were believers already when he said it did they believe he will rebuild the physical temple or did they you know were they thinking of his body obviously from this scripture they were not thinking of his death and resurrection so what were they thinking anybody help me Praise the Lord. Let me tell you the answer because of time. I wish this was interactive. You know, it would have been more fun. Simply, they were not thinking. They had believed, so they were no longer thinking. I'll show you something. In Deuteronomy 6.5, I'd like you to please open your Bible so you can see some of this. Deuteronomy 6.5, the greatest commandment, the number one commandment, what does it say? Let's read it together. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. This is the great and the greatest commandment. Number one commandment. Now, in the New Testament, several times, our Lord Jesus was also asked this question. And look at the answer that we find in the New Testament. In Mark 12, verse 30. Mark 12, verse 30. Let's see what it says. If you had your Bibles, I would wish you would keep, you know, Deuteronomy 6, 5. And now let's read Mark 12, 30. Let's see. What does Mark 12, 30 say? It says, let's read together. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your, and with all your, did you notice something there? You should have noticed something. In Deuteronomy 6, you love the Lord your God with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your might. In this particular one now we're looking at in uh, Mark 12, 30 and the one in Luke 10, 27. It says, with all your heart, with all your soul, 
And then he asks with all your mind, all your mind, before he says with all your strength. Praise the Lord. That mind is what I want you to give attention to this evening. Because their mind in the text we looked at was suspended. They were not thinking. That's why at the point, because you see several things Jesus said to them. When they went home and they didn't understand, they asked him, what were you saying? You know, you said this to them. What did you really mean? And then Jesus will explain. At this point, somehow, they did not process it. And brothers and sisters, what I want us to come to the knowledge of this evening as believers is that our minds, our minds are essential to profiting, to advancing, to making sure proof of this faith that we have. You know, when we say faith, oftentimes, we imply suspension of the mind. We are correct, or rather suspension of the intellect. Okay, that Mark, Mark 12, 30, let's go back to it. Amplified will replace, will call mind or put in bracket, intellect. Why? Because even though we have said faith, and we say faith is beyond reason. Faith, you know, does not use reasoning. When we say that, we are saying faith does not use carnal reasoning. Praise the Lord. Faith does not use carnal reasoning. Faith is beyond human intellect. However, however, the word of God has its own reasoning. So the Bible says to us in Romans 12, Romans 12 verse 1 and then verse 2 says what? Do not be what? Conformed to this world. Do not be conformed. What does it mean to be conformed to this world? To fit in. There is a reasoning that is natural to this world. But because you are now a Christian, because you are now born again, the word of God is saying to you and I, we should not fit in into this world. Rather what? He said we should be what? Transformed by what? The renewing of our mind. We are to be what? Transformed by the renewing of our mind. Didn't we have minds before? We had minds before, but we had minds that was trained to think like the world, the natural world, okay? But when we become Christians, there becomes a necessity to do, to reconfigure our minds to think differently. Now, interestingly, it is that reconfiguring of our minds that will bring the transformation. Praise the Lord. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be what? Transformed. Why? How? By the renewing. So, if there is no renewing of the mind, there what? There is no transformation. Okay? And if there is no transformation, then there is no proving of what is that good and acceptable and what? Perfect will of God. What is the word proof? The word proof is to experience. Is to bring to be made manifest. Now, do you see why many times it appears as though the believer is not making progress? But he is a believer. He is a wonderful brother. She is a wonderful sister. Our hearts are sincere. You know, these people are jinjim. These people do this and all of that. As powerful as all of that is, the Lord said, you shall love the Lord thy God with what? With all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy what? Mind, intellect in bracket, and with all thy strength. Every of these faculties must be engaged. Praise the Lord. They must be engaged. Any one of them that we do not engage, 
we will suffer loss by it. I don't know whether it will affect our entering heaven, but we are going to suffer loss by it. Because it is essential for it to be added. Remember, Lord Jesus Christ said, not a judge, nor a title of the world, world will go unfulfilled. Heaven and earth will pass away. So every word in the Bible is more essential than the sun that is rising. Is somebody getting what I'm saying? Now, we noted on Sunday, you know, on Sunday, that the devil is the master. The sum total of what he does is to what? To deceive. And what is deception? Deception is to alter truth. Deception is to hide truth, you know, to make sure that the whole truth or the simple truth is not clear. One of the areas he has dealt with us is in this area of thinking. So you see somebody, he say, I'm fating it. Now, if you're fating it, you must faith it according to the faith of the Bible. And what is the faith of the Bible? Faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing by what? The word of God. What does the word of God say to you in that situation? In fact, not just in that situation. What does the word of God say? A man cannot be lazy and claim to have faith. The Bible says the one who is lazy, Paul says, let him not eat. So if you don't, if you're lazy, the faith that you should have is the faith of surviving on empty stomach. Praise the Lord. It's as simple as that. If you're not hardworking, the faith you should have is the faith of poverty. When somebody is born again, when somebody is born again, what happens? John 3 verse 3, unless a man be what? Born again, he cannot what? See the kingdom of God. And then verse 5 and 6 says, unless a man is what? Born of what? The spirit and of water. He cannot enter. For you and I to be born again, something has to take place. You must be born of what? The spirit. The same way for any human being to be a human being. I've told you the story of a man that they asked for his birth certificate. And he asked them, why? He said, we need proof of your birth. He said, I'm here. For me to be here is evidence I was born. Praise the Lord. For somebody to be born again means what? The Spirit of God birthed, you know, the Holy Spirit inside of him. Now, the Spirit must do that for anybody to be born spiritually. Okay? Now, when that happens, the Spirit is born again. The Spirit has come alive. But the mind is still there. We will get to the mind. Now, what happens to the heart? There is a work that happens in the heart. Ezekiel 11, 19 the heart, there is a conversion that happens in the heart. God says he will take away your heart of stone and give you what? A heart of flesh. So there is a change. That is the part of the born again now that happens that makes people, some of us that wept at conversion. Some of us that kneel down. Some people, you know, you do altar call, they come out. You don't say kneel down. They kneel down and they cry. Why? Because all of a sudden the heart that was stony and rebellious to God and insensitive to the presence of God has become what? A heart of flesh. So it melts in the presence of God. It's that same heart that makes people go and ask for forgiveness to those who they offended. It's that same heart that makes people just, you know, you just see them, they're different. There's something different about them. Now, that heart conversion, God also does it. It's a miracle. So the spirit birth, take, in fact, the spirit birth is so deep that if God doesn't do it, you can't do it. Now, you know, how many of us, you know, born ourselves? Did you born? 
So when we say we are born again, that's why, you know, the song says, I'm the one you say. You know, many times you say, when I found Christ. How did you find Christ? He wasn't lost. You were the one who was lost. Okay? So when he found you, anyway, that's on the side. So the spirit birth is totally the work of the Holy Spirit. You say it was a sermon you heard. There were people who heard the same sermon who walked away and continued in their iniquity. In fact, there are people who had better sermons and never gave their lives to Christ. Okay? So that spirit birth is of the Holy Spirit. Now, the conversion of the heart from heart of soul is also the Holy Spirit that does it. That is what, you know, begins to melt you. But your mind is never a miracle. Your mind, that one, eh, is you. Do not be what? Conformed. Did they say, Holy Spirit, please don't let them conform? Mm -mm. Do not be conformed to this world, but what? Be transformed. Holy Spirit, tra- mm-mm. the Holy Spirit is working in your spirit, working in your heart, but your mind, your mind, it says what? This one, you have to do it. You know, I, I think this is the sense where the Apostle Paul says, I beat my body. There are things that you now have to take and say, based on this that has happened, this is what, what is necessary. Because, because, you see, let's take it from this angle. When a human baby is born, what heart does the baby have? The heart. The heart of a human being now. The functions, you know, I read recently about a baby that was born that lived for about seven hours or so and donated organs that was used to save some 22-year-old, some 7-year-old. You know, you know, they used the organs of this baby that was about to die again to save a lot. When a human baby is born, no matter how tiny that baby is born, is, that is born is, Every part of that baby is a human being. The heart is a human heart. You understand? The hand is a human heart. The liver is a human heart. All of that. But let me ask you a question. If that baby were taken from the hospital straight and dropped in the midst of monkeys, in 20 years time, the person, the other baby that they gave birth to and they took and sent to the house of a professor of medicine, we, when you bring them together, they'll still have the same heart. Their body functions will still be the same. Why? Because that's how they were born. But their mind, the thinking of the one put amongst monkeys, and the thinking of the one put in the home of professor and professor misses, will it be the same thing? What has happened? One mind has conformed to the environment of monkeys. The other mind has what? Conformed to the environment of intellectuals. Now, the same way, a lot of people are born again, but their minds never leave the world. So they're completely born. They have eyes. They have ears of a born-again Christian. They have everything of a born-again Christian. But they have never learned. That's what Peter was trying to tell us. He said, Give on, giving all diligence, you see, Add to your faith this, add to your faith this. He said, if you do all this, you will make your calling and election sure. So those who say once saved, always saved. I don't understand what they mean. The Bible is clear. It says that you may be neither unfruitful nor barren in this work. People of God, your mind, my mind, is what is going to be worked on, worked on. Okay, okay let, let, me, let me take it from another angle. Your emotions, which is your heart. Oh, surely, once anybody is born again, you know that something happens to your emotions. 
One of the ways you know people who are really born again, you see, one of the ways, I'm not saying it's the only way, is that when they're in church, you know, they're excited about what is going on. They're in love with Jesus. Even those who are not born again love Jesus. I'm sure you know that in that sense, okay? But your emotions determine how you feel, isn't it? It's simple. That's emotions are your feelings. But your mind, what does your mind do? Your mind thinks. Your mind processes, isn't it? I, I need you to follow me because I'm going, coming from different Your mind processes, your mind thinks. However, when all is said and done, your mind is what instructs your brain. Your mind is the last bus stop between the unseen you and the seen you. So if you raise your hand now, unless there is a problem, your brain told you to raise your hand, isn't it? And that brain that sent that signal, it was your mind that told it that. So your emotions will determine your feelings, but your mind is what tells your brain what to tell your body to do. Is somebody getting me? Now, if your mind is what finally instructs your brain, and your brain is what finally determines your actions, you know that? It's your brain that finally determines your actions. Now, if my actions are determined by my brain, and my brain is influenced by my mind purely, how do I engage the world? It's by my actions. The world will not respond to my mind. Direct in the world will respond to what I do, so it means that the reactions I get from my world are determined by what by my mind. So, when the Bible says, As a man thinketh in his heart, what so is he, is my mind that finally brings my body to act in a particular way because it's what told my brain, and it's that action that I take that generates the reaction that I get. And the reaction I get is simply my living. You will bear me witness that you've been somewhere several times, maybe, I don't know how many of us did job interviews, but several times someone might have been interviewing you, and you, you say in your heart, if you're going to give me the job, just give me this job. If you're not giving me, please stop asking me this difficult question. Let me get away from you. But you know you didn't say it. Eh? You were just thinking it. You didn't finally instruct your brain to say it. You understand? But if you said it, you know what will happen? Immediately they will respond to that. Now, what I'm trying to say is this. The final thing you do is what your world responds to. And it's your mind that pushes all of that. When you change your mind, you change your actions. When you change your mind, you change your responses. It is your mind that finally processes all your spiritual, all the spiritual things. Thank God. Praise the Lord. Thank God for this. Thank you, Holy Spirit. It's only in the place of prayer. That the Bible can say to the man praying in the Holy Ghost, that though your mind is what? Unfruitful. You pray rightly. Do you understand? Thank God for that. Because they've removed that limitation. However, in every other area of life, it is so powerful. And that is why the Bible says, you must do what? Renew that mind. Let me ask you another question. What's the difference between a tamed lion and a lion in the wild? What's the difference? Their genetics are the same. Everything about them is the same. You know what has changed in the one that is tamed? From when it was a cub, they started reconfiguring how to survive to that lion. So instead of the lion that is in the, in the world, the mother 
would allow it, you know, would take it, or watch, allow it watch it as it goes hunting. So he sees how it pounces on other animals and different things and survives in that environment. But the one that is brought into, uh, you know, to be tamed by human beings, they feed it. So it doesn't go hunting. So as this lion, this cub grows, the mind is what? Renewed. That I don't have to jump on any moving thing to eat. When it's time, this person will bring my food. And as long as, you know, I dance the way they say I should dance or respond or whatever they train the animal to do, they will keep giving me more. What has happened? The heart, the genetics, everything about that wild animal is the same. But they have what? Reconfigured his mind. It's still a lion. It still has the potential if pushed out. But the mind has been transformed to survive and to thrive in this environment. The same way, when you and I become Christians, our mind needs to be Christicated. Do you understand what I'm saying? Your mind needs to be what? It needs to be converted from that wild... You see, the scripture is actually saying the same thing. When Jesus said to us, after these things the Gentiles say, he's saying the Gentiles are in the wild. They have to push... They have to shove, they have to fight, they have to lie, they have to fornicate, they have to beat, they have to steal, they have to do all kinds of things to survive. But he says, you are not in the world, you are in the kingdom. Your heavenly father has brought you where? Inside his kingdom. So now, what is he going to do? At the right time, he's going to catch the chicken for you or bring the goat and give it to you to eat. All you need to do is what? Do what I want you to do in the circus. And then I keep taking care of you. The lion in the world, if he has an injury, will use tongue and lick it and hope that, you know, the flies that will perch on it will have antibiotics. But the lion that is tamed, that is under care, if he has any injury, doctors will take care of it. They'll fly it in a helicopter. Are you getting what I'm saying? Which one would you rather be? That's who we are. We are children of God. He has brought us in. Now, as beautiful as that is now, where the challenge is this, your mind works automatically. So your mind is not influenced by emotion. The process it has registered is what it will use in the hour that it wants to calculate. So now, whether I'm happy or sad, one plus one is what? My emotions doesn't affect it. That is why you can come to church, people can come to church, and sing and shout when they get out in the driveway. They will not allow their brother in time in front of them. Because their mind is still what? Nobody going to enter from my front. Nobody. Do you understand what I'm saying? But when such a person now, outside of emotions, has studied the word and come to see that the Christian, the Bible says, in honor, giving preference what? To one another. And that is not responded to emotionally. You see, one of the things you're going to learn tonight is to keep emotion where it should be. You see, concerning emotion, eh, if Christianity were a course of study in the university, especially we in Africa, we will have A's in emotion. Do you understand? The sound of our amens, you know, is, is in Nigeria, they say, let's hear a resounding amen that will get to heaven. It's very good, though, but that amen has not affected your mind. People will be shouting that amen and be stealing somebody's phone. And does he mean the amen? He means the amen because they say the person with the loudest amen will get the miracle. You see, these are emotions. They have their place. Praise the Lord. (laughs) 
Is somebody getting something tonight? They have their place. But what will now convert, what will bring that transformation, what will help you to prove, to experience the goodness of God? You know, the, the Bible is so clear. I don't know. I think we've heard and heard that from many speakers here. The day uh, Brother Max ministered also. God is good. Praise the Lord. God is good. God abounds in goodness. We also looked at it when we were at the other hollows. God abounds in goodness. If you are not walking and experiencing his goodness, reconfigure your mind. Praise the Lord, somebody. If somebody is playing tricks on you. God is good. Okay? But he has said this is where it's going to work. So we learn faith. And, you know, the other day we talked about confession and, you know, all of that. You shall have what you say. All those things are true. But it's not one off. It's not one apart from the other. They all work together. You can't take one and leave the other. If you take one and leave the other, the numbers of the password will not be complete. The thing will not open. Okay? So the mature Christian has come to play. Let me show you another scripture. Interesting scripture. Ezekiel 33. Ezekiel 33, please. Come with me there. Ezekiel 33 verse 30. I'll read it for you. It says, as for you, son of man, the children of your people are talking about you beside the walls and in the doors of the houses. And they speak to one another. Everyone saying to his brother, please come and hear what the word is that comes from the Lord. They're saying, let us go to, let us go to, um, let's go for the camp meeting. You understand? Let us go. I mean, it's, it's that time of the year. Let's go for the special program. That's what everybody says. That's what is trending. Everybody's talking about it. And 31 says, so they come to you as people do. They sit before you as my people, congregation. And they hear the words. But what? What does he say? Let me hear. He said, but they do not. Uh-uh. Okay, let's continue. For with their mouth, what do they do? Isn't that good? Preach it, brother. I'm hearing you. Isn't that what they say? He said, but with their mouth, they show much love. He said, but what? But their hearts are what? Pursue their own gain. You see, the direction they're going is still different. But look at their good sides. First of all, they advertise this program. They say, let us go and hear the word of the Lord. Let's go for that program. Let's go. That's what happened. You advertise program. People feel everywhere. And then when they come, there's excitement. They say, how was the meeting? He said the atmosphere was what? It was charged. Okay? But he says, their hearts are still pushing. Look at verse 32. This is the interesting part. He says, indeed, he's telling the prophet, you are to them as a very lovely song of one who has a pleasant voice. So there are good sides that you have to them and can play well on an instrument. Why? They hear your words, but they do not do them. Why do they go to this land? They enjoy it. They are emotionally satisfied by coming. They feel better. Praise the Lord. They, they feel better. So you're like some beautiful music. You know, you're like some old tunes that they just, when, when they listen to you, they feel good. But the problem is this. That feeling can never help them to have a transformation. And if there is no transformation, they could never, they would never prove what is that good and acceptable. And, they would never experience it. And that is why there are so many Christians without change. And in their hearts, they are sincere. 
If you examine them, they, oh no, you feel them, I mean you feel vibration. But what is the problem? The problem is that they only enjoy the prayer. Not God, oh no. They enjoy the whole thing that is going on. As the Lord was ministering this to me, he asked me a question which I want to ask us, which will help us. He said, is it a wonder that in our world, in, our, in the world that we live in, you know, in our normal world, that people who are in professions that add no value to us and more than those who are in professions that add value. Who are the highest paid people in the world? Athletes, musicians, movie stars. If they disappear from the world, like Corona showed us a few, will anything happen to you? Let me ask you another question. If you watch boxing bouts, are normally very popular. People pay a lot, some up to $1,000, even viewing rights, all of that. If you finish watching it, does anything change in your house? Does anything change in your body? Your favorite team that you kill yourself, you wake up, you know, some people have to leave their house to go somewhere to work. Does it change anything? Do you know the only thing it does for you? You just feel good. You're entertained and you go. The Lord said to me, unfortunately, that is what people have applied to Christianity. That's why where there is truth, people don't come because they don't get entertained by it. But where they entertain, they go. But the question they don't ask is this. After the entertainment, just like that match I watch, just like that uh, soccer I watch, just like that tennis, is there any benefit? I mean, for those who are professionals in the area, I don't know the volume of tennis matches I watch that will add value to my life. Maybe if I watch enough karate, you know, I will learn to, you know, I'll learn to make some moves. Is somebody getting what I'm saying? These things add no value, but you know what? We pay more for them because we're a generation that is not engaging our minds. You watch the movie, you finish, you know, you know everything is film show, but you just, you're glued to the television. And then when you finish watch, you turn it off. That's the end. It does not help you cook food. It does not help you lock the door. It doesn't, it doesn't do anything. And then the world rewards them so much. Now, look at our school teachers. How many have children here that didn't go to, go to school? At least now you appreciate school teachers. Look at our engineers. Look at our farmers. Do you understand? Look, look at the mechanics. Look at the, those who add real hardcore value to our lives. The world has no time for them. You know, when I was writing, you know, some list of the people who are paid so much, I put movie actors, you know, athletes, sportsmen, comedians, models. You know, look at models. They are not the ones making the clothes. They, they earn so much more than the people who work eight hours sewing those clothes. For doing what? For standing and taking pictures. Because this world has decided it will not reward the things that should be rewarded. That's the world we are living in. Corrupt politicians. How many of us, Pastor Aki, after you said, I went to check the, I, didn't, I saw the video, I didn't watch it before. Uh, the wristwatches of one, somebody who is one of our, this. Now, that man has added no value to Nigeria. He has added no value. That, I don't even listen to him. It was because, you, you know, I just said, let me even see. I was looking at it like this. I said, am I surprised? I'm not, nothing. Even when he sang the song, who can, but I didn't listen. Truth is this. This world is empty. It's upside down. And that's why the Bible says, do not be conformed. Everything here is upside down. Somebody becomes a celebrity and is celebrated and people love him. You don't know about his character. 
everything you know about him is what he acts in a movie for two hours. So I love him. I miss him. Do you know him? The thing you're liking about him is what he did in front of camera. If they don't like it, say, cut, do it again. And people will love them more than the people that are actually there, adding value to their lives. Because the world is warped. And it's the same thing that we're bringing to Christ. So people want an entertainment Jesus. The Jesus they feel good about. The Jesus, but Jesus that will never make them do what they don't want to do. How can you say I love Jesus and I don't obey him? Whereas he says it clearly, if you love me, what should you do? Keep my commandments. That part of it, nobody wants to hear it. In fact, when you say it in some places, like what are you talking about? I love Jesus. Yes, I do. Do you love Jesus? Yes, you do. We all, okay. Because we want the entertainment. It's like a song. The Bible says it. It's a beautiful voice. You just sit down and you enjoy it. No demand on you. We mentioned on Sunday, Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible. And you read it, what is it talking about? Instructions. What is it people hate to hear today in church? Instructions. When you talk about instructions, the word of God, they call it legalism. Legalism has nothing to do with instruction. It's like when you go to, we mentioned you're going to a city that you've not been before. If you follow the map, you're not being legal. You're just being wise. You're being sane. The journey we have been called to run, somebody has run it. And he has said, this is the way you do it. Praise the Lord. This is the way you run this race. This is the way you live the Christian life. This, in such situations, this is how you respond. Now, that is what we come to church to learn. I mean, there's nothing wrong with feeling good, but that feeling has no contribution to your transformation. Nobody is ever transformed by a feeling. Praise the Lord. It's like you walking into your bank. How many of us, everybody here has some bank account? You walk into your bank and you're elated, you're excited. You go to the account, the, the, at the counter. And because of your excitement, you have 11,000 in your bank account and you write a check for 1.1 million. I'm excited, man. Can you give me 1.1 million, man? The, <laughs> the teller will look at you and, you know, probably join with your excitement and then check the balance. When the balance comes, they will adjust to excitement. That's what it is. Process. Process. The mind. You must so, if I'm a Christian, yes, beautiful. My spirit is born again. My heart has been converted. But what is my mind processing? That is why they said to Joshua, this book of the law shall know what? Depart from your mouth. You shall do what? Made it. If anybody had a right to dwell in entertainment religion or entertainment relationship with God, it was Joshua. Joshua had seen things that up to today we don't know he was there when God and Moses were talking. But when it was his time to take over, they didn't say to Joshua, you know how he feels. Right on, brother. They didn't say to him, no. They said to him, now that Moses, my servant, is dead, you're going to arise. I've given you the land. Everywhere you're going to, the soles of your feet will tread upon. I've given to you. However, this book of the law shall not depart from you. Meditate on it that you may observe to do. Thereby, thereby, not by the, thereby you will have what? Good success. Simple. 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 So tonight, people of God, I've just come to charge us. 
Because there's profit in this thing. Our brother was sharing a very powerful, that testimony is powerful. He said he was in the house and he didn't have another city, but he felt led by the Lord to give out, to bless, you know, give out his old city. And he said, okay, Lord, speak to my wife. The wife came out and said, this city is old. And then they gave it out. When you gave it out, where were you sitting? On the floor. And they gave out their city. He said, how many, six days or three days? Six days later, somebody blessed them with what? Another city that is many times better than what they gave out. Now, simple. When we hear such things in church, we say, the preacher will say, claim your own. Is it by claiming that he got it? Why do people like being deceived? Why do people like being deceived? Where is your mind? Christianity does not suspend your mind. It renews your mind. There's the world. You see, there's a life. There's a way the world lives its way. If it's in the world, you want a new city, you start going around. The way modern Christians would do what you did was they need a new city. If they come to uh, whose house now that has better city, they say, I claim it. They'll just be rubbing the leather or the fabric of the city, claiming it. I possess it. Wherever the, the back of my side sits on, I possess it. I mean, all kinds of things that, you see, Christianity, oh Lord, have mercy. The word of God is a book that records processes that God has used. If we had time, part of what the Lord wanted me to share with you was the man that was born blind. This man was born blind. But when God wanted to act upon him, he had to give him instructions. Have you ever thought about that? A blind man, they say you open his eyes. The man believed. So he came to Jesus. Ah, the healer has called you. So the healer called him and he came. And then instead of his eyes being opened, I don't know how the blindness worked, but they closed it further with more clay. And then when they closed it further with more clay, he was watching, okay, what will happen now? What are we going to do? He said, go. I'm not, he didn't take him by the hand. He said, now that I've closed your eyes with clay, you couldn't see before, but I've closed it further with clay. Eh? Now you, blind man, go and find the pool called Silo and wash Haba. If you want to open my eye, open my eye. If you don't want to open my eye, just leave me. Now, now, see, see what is happening. It's a classical case of the world and the kingdom. And that, that is where when, people, when you see people arguing with unbelievers, or not even just unbelievers, untransformed Christians, it doesn't make sense. Because with the unbeliever or the untransformed Christian, when you remove 10% from your income, you have less. It's as simple as that. But with the one who is transformed, he understands that before 100 came, somebody gave me 100. And if I take 10 out of the 100 and give back to the person who gave me the 100, I've not suffered loss. Those two minds are different. Trying as a spirit-born Christian with a converted heart, with a renewed mind, to argue with people who are on the other side is frustration. It can only lead to frustration, anger, and sin. So what you do is where you are, continue to be a wonder. And then one day they will come to you and say, we have noticed that your case is always different. Then you will show them, tell them, in my own side. Like the story, how, how many of us have heard the story Dr. Connors has shared with us? About the man and woman, the couple that their friends noticed that these people, their love is so sweet. Getting sweeter by the day. What is the secret? So the friends called the man. And said to the man, what is the secret of this love that you have with your wife? How is it happening in this marriage? And the man said, do you really want to know? They said they want to know. 
They said, okay, just for instance, last night I came back home from work. I came back late and my wife was sleeping. And they said, uh-huh. And the man said, my wife was sleeping. I said, uh-huh. He said, so I went and made my food. Uh-huh. She didn't keep the food before. She No, she slept up. I went and made my food and I finished eating. Then when I was about to go to bed, I saw that she had brought her what she wear to work the next day to iron. But she also forgot to iron it. And then, so I took it and iron, you iron blouse. Eh? You iron blouse and can tell whatever. You know, you ironed, the friends got up and said, that is not what we mean. <laughs> you see, their minds are still what? Operating on the other side. But now, as they are where they are, they're experiencing what they're experiencing. No, Bishop. This man whose mind has understood that husbands do what? Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. You know, there's this argument about women submitting to men. Okay? And then men doing what? What should men do? Men should love their... Okay, beautiful. Do you know that left to me, I would have preferred they said I should submit and then my wife will love me. Because the one who is to love, they say die for her. The person who is submitting is alive. That's why there is she money. How many of us have heard of she money? How many of us have heard that if you owe your wife 50,000 and then you bless her with 500,000, you're still owing her 50,000? The man, the man is called to do what? He said to die. To die. You cease to exist. The other day, I was so happy. My daughter mistakenly me called me mommy. I said, I've been promoted in this house. I've become powerful. Because, you see, mommy is the most powerful name in the house. The man is dying. He goes to work for the house. Everything he does for the house. That's it. That's the way we have been brought to. But you know what? When you follow that way, you find peace. You find joy. You find fulfillment. It's a different way. Praise the Lord. But your mind needs to what? You need to look at the Bible and say, okay, this is how. The, the, the problem is people are not being discipled. Church services are for excitement. They are training on, a, 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 what was it, entrepreneurship and all of that. Leave that matter. Do not be conformed to this. Come and learn the ways of the kingdom. People should come and learn. How do I be an artisan? How do I work in an office? How do I grow as a Christian? How do I behave as a child? When you learn those things, the the men and women that we have as examples from the Old Testament, what did they have going for them? They mastered this way. I've told us here, they found Joseph and Ajabota a slave, and he was the best slave. It means he learned what the Bible says. It says, servant. It says, serve that your master as unto the Lord. Because you are a child of God. Anywhere you are, the person you're seeing is not your ultimate boss. Jehovah is your ultimate boss. And as long as you please him, he will see to your promotion. Some people say, ah, everything I do is my immediate boss that gets the reward. When I write my report, he will just remove my name. Don't worry. He's doing that one that he's doing. God is over him. God is over your superior boss. He knows how to recompense. That is the way of the kingdom. But how many people want to hear that? People will leave, come to church and agree. Let's pray. Let them destroy my boss. Let them all the enemies. That's why some of those things, when I see people write them, all my haters. Every hater a genuine Christian has is working for him. They must not die. Oh. 
Do you understand? They are working for you. The Apostle Paul says these words, light afflictions are working for us what? A far heavier weight of glory. The Bible is complete. The way of a man is pleasing to the Lord. His enemies will be on his employment. It's as simple as that. But you see, people have not adjusted their minds. You can't be a Christian and expect and hope to advance by cheating. How can you want to advance by cheating when the God you serve hates injustice? How? It's because their minds are unrenewed. So they come to church for their excitement and when they go to do their business, they do their business as business. Those are the people who tell you, don't bring that church in here. But they're in church. They're ushers. Some of them may even be pastors in the church. But their minds are still operating in the system of the world. Let's rise on our feet. I have a simple illustration to give to us here. How do you get the devil out of your way? This is a major topic, isn't it? Many people always, whenever they gather, the devil, the devil, the devil. The devil in their village, the devil in town, the devil on the highway. How do we get the devil out of our way? Let's see one illustration. We have the one Jesus did, and we have the one they told us. I don't know. Let me start from the one they told us. James 4, 7. The Bible says, therefore. Therefore means conclusion of the matter. What does it say? Submit to God. Do what? Submit what? To God. What does it mean? In this situation, God, what, what should I do? Simple. My wife did this. My business did this. My enemy did this. My neighbor did this. God, what, what does your word say I should do? Simple. It says, submit to God. The next one says what? Resist the devil. That's step two. So after you submitted to God, you say, devil, I resist you. If you like, you can save your words and ignore him. Praise the Lord. You can actually just ignore him. Just turn your back. But, I mean, if you follow textbook, say, devil, get your hands off me. I have no time for you. What's the next thing that happens? It says, he will what? Flee. Should I show you where it happened? Matthew chapter 4. Satan came to tempt Jesus. He said, turn this bread into loaves. You're hungry. You're the son of God. Jesus said, what does the Bible say I should do? Say, man shall not what? By bread alone, but by every word. And he answered Satan and said, no, I won't do what you say to do. I will do what, what the word says I will do. He says another one. He says, no, I mean, yeah, I could jump and I know the angels will catch me. But the Bible says, that shall not put the Lord I God to a test. He says, ah, I know you came for the world. Okay, just fall down and worship me. Say, yes, I know I want to marry, but I will not open my legs for you. Simple and short. And you, okay, you go and marry uh, sister, um, what's that sister's name? Sister model, whatever. Very beautiful. They'll be harassing you with her name. This thing you're doing now, better people want to give it to me. Say, no problem, I'm sorry. This one is for Jehovah. And you say, no. I say, yeah, they go. As you do that, what are you doing? You're submitting to the word, to God, to God, to God. And the markers of your script in heaven are scoring you. They're saying, yes, that's good. That's what we said you should do. That's what we said. Ah, ah, that's, ah, we're going to do this to you. We're going to throw you out of the house. We're going to deal with you. We're going to... He said, I'm sorry. That's why the Bible said Daniel and his friend, they said to the king, we are not even going to think what to answer. We've already known. We have submitted to God. Praise the Lord. They didn't bind. They didn't lose. There's nothing wrong with bind. They just submitted to God and resisted the devil. 
In this Matthew 4 we read, verse 11, look at verse 11. What does verse 11 say? Verse 11 says, then the devil did what? The devil will leave. Any life that is submitted to God, the devil will leave. It might not sound exciting. If I came here and I started binding this ember month, I bind all the devils. You will leave church feeling easy. But in the hour the devil visits, that easy will not help. He will do his business and continue. Look at the beautiful part. It says the devil left him and behold what? Angels came. Rise on your feet. Father, I receive grace. I receive grace. I receive grace for the renewing of my mind. For the transformation of my life. I'm your child. I've been born again. I will not continue the same way. You are my God. You have saved me. Thank you for my spirit that has been reborn. Thank you for my heart that has been converted. Lord, I submit my mind. I will look into your word. I will meditate on the scriptures. I will learn your ways. I will walk in your ways. I will stay in your path. And Lord, I will get the victory. Because you are faithful, God. The Bible says you are dependable. You are reliable. You are unchangeable. I will trust in you. For you are my God. You are my God. You are my God. I will not... I will not lend the ways of the wicked. I will not turn to the left. You are faithful. You are faithful. You are faithful. Your word, you watch over your word. That's what it says. It says, I watch over my word to perform it. His word will come to fulfillment anywhere, whether you and I agree or not. But tonight as a church, we are saying we will agree. We will trust in him. Somebody is believing God for the fruit of the womb. And the monthly issue comes up. What does it say? Give thanks. He said, be anxious for nothing. Anxiety, when you see that blood, does not help. Submit to God means to say, Lord, I thank you. Because I know you have a plan for me. And you begin to magnify the Lord. As you do that, you submit to God. And heaven will say, that's my own. That's what I said you should do. You're proving me now. That's the mind I want you to have. Lord, we are thanking you. You are faithful. You are God. I, I don't know what else to say. Just, just bless the Lord. Lord, I love you. But Lord, uh, beyond my love, I, I will follow your path. I will follow your way. Your way is life. Your way is truth. The psalmist said in Psalm 119, says, by your commandments, you make me wiser than my teachers. He said, Lord, I thank you because you instruct me in the paths of life. The entrance of your word gives me light. It brings understanding. Thank you for giving me understanding. Thank you for life. Thank you for, I will say what you say to say. I will do what you say to do. And Lord, I know I know I know that you are faithful too faithful too reliable yes Lord obedience will convert any situation it will change any man it will change any woman it will change it will every it, it turns things around it turns things around Lord we worship you Lord we worship you Lord will worship you. Lord will worship you. Let's take that song, but at least now we know it's beyond emotions. Lord, your enemy is turning things around. I worship you. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you. Lord, I thank you because I, I, I will prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Lord, I thank you. Amen. 
have been listening to a message by Pastor Ike Naokeke of the Father's Church. We are sure you've been blessed. We invite you to worship with us at Eden Center, Barnex Guarimpa Expressway, near Next Kashinkari, Abuja. For telephone 09-290-9000 or 0703-158804. You can find us online at www.thefatherschurchonline.org. God bless you.